This is Human V Robot, a podcast about the intersection of humanity and technology. Welcome to Human V Robot. I'm Andy and I'm here with my sister Heather and today we're going to be talking about deep fakes. Uh, but before that, Heather, how are you doing? I'm doing good. How are you? Doing pretty good. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's been a little bit of a crazy week, and in my updates, we'll talk about that. But okay. uh, b- before that, uh, you in your updates, you you've got to think about a, a beer competition. Uh, this is like an AI generating art, is it? Uh, yes. So this is a, a Saskatoon-based um, brewery called Nine Mile. Okay. Um, and they had a contest um, to see if ChatGPT could make a better beer than their beer maker. Okay. Um, so it was, uh, they got ChatGPT to generate a recipe, and then they got their beer maker to generate a recipe, and then they did like a taste test of the okay. beers to see how they turned out. Um, this got a lot of like big coverage, like that got some, I think national, maybe international, like um, I think some, uh, maybe Bloomberg picked it up. Yeah. Um, you know, so from Saskatoon, that's pretty good. Um, but I think sort of final results is that, um, 60% of the tasters sided with the chat GPT recipe. Oh, Although wow. I have to say, yeah, I, I have to say though, I think there was some, um, prompt editing and a little bit of, um, tweaking, right. uh, that went into the recipe. It wasn't just, it said the recipe needed a human touch so i'm not sure what that was exactly but maybe as we know sometimes when you give chat gpd a prompt it comes up with something you're like ah okay but it needs to be a little more like this right um so in the end there were both good beers um chat Mm. one i don't think they're going to be turning or firing their um (laughs) their beer maker uh in favor of um, of ChatGPT because it looks like they had to do quite a bit of they did a bit of uh, finessing right. of the recipe finessing. came up with still interesting human robot collaboration that that is interesting I I almost wonder just just skimming here like the rhubarb and ginger in the like in the human created one I can see throwing some people off like it's not I wonder, everybody's taste yeah, yeah I wonder I wonder if the chat GPT just played it more safe and that's why it yeah. uh, did better yeah uh, yeah I'd be curious to see like if these are professional tasters or if this is just like the I average so. you know yeah so yeah. Huh, that, that is your average Saskatoon beer drinker or maybe a craft right beer aficionado did you do you see if you scroll down though the the label on the cans There's yeah like humans robots and they're totally like fighting yeah. uh, <laughs> very nice yeah that's a good <laughs> we could almost use that in our our uh podcast I know. branding it was, <laughs> i have like a, a a daily news sort of subscription thing for like saskatoon news and okay. it was like beer human v robot and i was like wait what <laughs> <laughs> interesting yeah, uh, that's cool. Um, yeah, and then uh, your your second one, the the RTRO, the yeah. this so, uh, algorithm free quote unquote uh, social media app. Yeah, I almost feel like this has devolved into like a linguistics conversation because it's like what we're talking about here is the the common use of the word algorithm to essentially mean like quote the algorithm. Yeah, um, and what we mean by that is the 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 thing that creates recommendation systems or content that you might be interested in seeing based on a lot of different processes. 
Um, so I just laughed and I sent you a screenshot of this article. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that I saw an artifact and it says RTRO launches an algorithm free social app. And I was like, well, that's how? Uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Im that's impossible. If it's an all. app at all, there are algorithms involved. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, you know, I, I just wanted to bring it up. I, I have nothing really to say about the app specifically. I, I think it's, uh, it's kind of cool because, you know, you can sort of add your friends in your sort of immediate circle. Because actually, I do know people doing this on on the social medias is sort of like pinning or selecting to see content from the people they know because a lot of the apps are just completely bogged down with advertising that it makes the feed almost unusable yeah um so it, it's kind of an interesting experiment but i do to wonder to the extent to which like i see all these like new social media apps and i was like i think we're just assuming like a lot of these will not be around for long because like how many social media apps there's like the average person comfortable with having on their phone yeah. Yeah, it does seem like a time, like currently things are in flux a lot, like with with Twitter, like nose Everybody's, diving, in my yeah, opinion. Yeah, <laughs> and, I, and I think that's a, like led to this sort of like moment where it's kind of like who's going to take the Twitter spot. Yeah. So everybody's just creating a new app, um, not to downplay the amount of work and thought that goes into that, but just to see who's going to stick. Yeah. And I think it, it kind of ties in with this general sentiment where people are tired of of the current state of things in, in social media apps. And yeah. like, maybe I'm reading too much of my own opinion into that, but I feel that <laughs> way. Like, I, yeah. I feel like none of the social media apps are really where really I'm at working yeah. for me. And like, Twitter was sort of hanging on a little bit, but at this point, it's not really at all either. Like, mm. um, and just because, like, I think by saying algorithm free, they're trying to tap into that sentiment a little bit. Like, saying this is something for an independent thinker that can do their own, like, uh, find their own content rather than just the, like, TikTok has gone fully the other way where they just shovel whatever they want to you right yeah um, and which works really well for some people but i've never felt comfortable with that I've, I've, or I've never spent the time to teach it what i like i guess so mm -hmm. yeah and sort of sometimes it can get kind of the wrong end of the stick about you because the problem is you're just like i don't like if you see something and you're like, wait, no, I don't want that at all. Like, yeah. and, and then it's hard to like un get it to unlearn you. Like, yeah, it's just it it makes it like kind of frustrating. It's just like somebody who just keeps calling you and you're like, can you just stop? Like, yeah. just enough. I I want to make my own decisions. <laughs> yeah, there's a kind of lack of control that you like. You give up control to this yeah. algorithm. Um, yeah, and I'm using algorithm again, like <laughs> uh, because because it is useful, right? Language like, it's is useful, changing. Language is changing. It. It's a useful terminology to say, like, yeah. but really, it's the recommendation of of, of TikTok or or whatever, right? Yeah. Like, yeah, those those are hard things to get right to keep enough control for so that you could steer it where you want to go but yeah. also um not have to oversteer <laughs> like like well i think constantly. that's the problem is yeah. that th this seems like would be very strange to use because it has nothing it, it gives you no like recommendations at all maybe i i don't know i i feel like that would be a little bit of a 
it's hard to know what you're interested in sometimes because the internet's a big place. Yeah. Uh, so like a little bit of recommendation kind of works. Um, but I, I think there is this business about the, I think it maybe goes back a little bit to the conversation we had last week on sort of like the transparency or sort of like the ability that you have to sort of see behind the curtain. Right. Um, because you want to understand how things are being recommended to you, like what kind of influence it's having over what you're seeing. Like, yeah, that kind of thing. So anyway, enough for my updates. All right. Um, uh, on to you. I, yeah, I definitely think I'm going to download this and try it out because I am always interested in new, <laughs> new platforms, but uh, yeah, for my updates, I, I just wanted to shout out a podcast that a friend recommended to me that I, I have just read or listened to the latest episode, which is so the, the podcast is from Vox and it's called The Gray Area. Um, and it's it's like technology and f philosophy, culture, just like general stuff. But um, the latest episode was called Being Human in the Age of AI, mm -hmm. which I thought brought up some interesting topics related to human v robot so i thought i'd shout it out i think the other from just scanning through the recent episodes they're they're more on the philosophical and that that sort of thing end of things but right um yeah it was it was a interesting take i thought like um and the the big takeaways i had was like how how much we end up using the the terms of computation to describe our own intelligence and the way yeah. our brain works yeah and and how like subtle that can be like sometimes we don't even notice we're doing it like i don't have the bandwidth for this or i'm processing this and like like all of those phrases are like just from computers and like they, yeah. they're kind of reshaping how we think about how our brain works um to to almost give AI like to bridge that gap almost like like we're talking about our thinking as in it's an analog to how computers work right which sometimes I think um, yeah sometimes reduces I think the scope of of what human brains actually do but we can yeah I, I won't go into the whole podcast because I would, but I would recommend it. Okay. Um, and then secondly, uh, we were talking about uh, how it's been an int interesting week. And uh, yeah, so my company has been affected by like all tech companies, you know, layoffs are, are happening and things are in flux. And I just wanted to like touch on like safety because I think like there there's definitely been like some people that highly prioritize safety in employment and this this affects everyone right like if you have a job or if you don't have a job you're thinking about safety right um and i think there's a danger there in thinking of like putting safety as your top priority like i think your top priority should always be to like do something cool, build something or whatever it is, you know, like you should have another top priority. Like safety is important, but only in the sense of, is it enabling you to do what is the top priority? Um, and then, so before we recorded, we had a little chat and you talked about like how uh, somebody was thinking about this in terms of like 
employment is like a tour of duty where you you go out you you sign up on this contract and then at the end of this you say like is this worth keeping going or like starting another tour or or is it time to think about another uh thing and how that contrasts with like in academic circles or other companies where you get tenure and you're a lifer right like you're on staff forever um where like the latter can be emotionally or like psychologically beneficial in some ways but i think it also like reduces your ability to do meaningful work maybe yeah the one thing i want to bring up here which is going to be a very like half-formed thought but i think it's worth mentioning that it's in my consciousness i guess is that i wonder to the extent to which like socioeconomic status and and race and all of that has um an impact or influence on this sort of like relationship to employment safety and um what's your top priority because the more status you have in society the less you need to be safe in your employment um but also just like historically it's going to be a certain type of person you know like the the white men are going to have the safe jobs uh, yeah. they've been afforded the safe jobs over time so it's interesting to see like as hopefully you know the more representation comes into the workplace i saw actually a, a stat somewhere it said like the female for the first time ever um female ceos of fortune 500 companies has surpassed men named john <laughs> <laughs> wow <laughs> this is big news yeah big uh, news and then it showed like men named john as a portion of like the whole uh like all the people in the us or and then and then women was like half and then men named john was like the small right. sliver um so it's just like showing like kind of sample size uh, <laughs> and right. then that representation um so i i'm curious to see um like what impact that might have on like relationships to work and that kind of thing. Cause I think in an ideal world where everybody feels that sort of sense, cause I think security is the bedrock that yeah. creative work is built on. So that's, that's why I think that the things that offer more security are interesting because mm-hmm. they give you this platform to innovate and feel safe and comfortable when you're always thinking about when you're always scrambling, when you're in like sort of, you know, one day away from, you know, complete disaster, then you're not going to think creatively. You're just going to think yeah. as practically as humanly possible. So I think like as, as if you're planting that kind of foundation that people can innovate on top of that, I think that's really cool. Um, but I also think it's probably a good thing to to try to come up with solutions that don't lead to sort of like this, you know, sort of that boomer mentality where you're just a lifer. You're just right. in there. You're sort of punching a clock near nine to five year forever until you retire. Um, because that just seems like, is that really, uh, a way to solve the problems of society? I don't know. Like I often think about the mismatch between the time at work and actual output, right? Because you might have to spend a ton of time making very little progress, or you might have to spend very little time making a lot of progress. It depends on the day. It depends on the environment. It depends on the conditions. It depends on a lot of things. Right. So that sort of like measuring things in just pure time seems like a strange way to to measure like impact so i i don't know all of these topics are interesting to me and uh maybe we'll go into it more someday yeah i definitely think that 
that level of privilege is a great thing to call out because like you can't you can't think in the terms that I was explaining without having like like you said a bedrock of security where where you know like your um you are safe to taste take those risks and I think there is a broader socioeconomic question behind that that's like yes I could say that but that's that's yeah. because uh, you know a lot of I'm yeah that's because on the like I could say it giants. too that's because yeah. of the position I'm in yeah. you know yeah. yeah yes but I have to recognize the privilege in that statement <laughs> yeah totally <laughs> yeah well should okay. we progress on to our main topic yeah so this is an interesting one this is our first uh, listener, listener requested request. topic yeah which yeah. is awesome mm-hmm. um, and uh, yeah so we're gonna be talking about deep fakes which. Uh, really has like is so interconnected with things we've already talked about so that's why i was like i'm not sure how much we can tease out but i think it is a super important topic for today because like if you don't know this technology exists uh it can be very very dangerous i think yeah um so uh high level oh, oh yeah fake Oh yeah, and and just just as a quick side note, I, I I'm always uh, getting Chat GPT to prompt my uh, my thinking at the start of the episodes, and this this time Chat GPT thought we had a guest in, uh, so we'd like to welcome Jane Jane Smith. Jane I guess. Smith. Jane Smith is a researcher in computer science and AI. Uh, we don't actually have <laughs> we don't actually no, I have a that guest. No, I wrote in a guest uh, for us. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but whatever. Okay. Um, yeah. So yeah, deep fakes are like I, I don't know how how prevalent. Like I think everyone probably knows what they are. Yeah, I, I think so. It's a computer simulated um, image or voice or video of uh, a, you know a person, real or imagined. Yeah, yeah, and I think like we've had enough uh, time with Hollywood like doing similar things where that, like they're with CGI and everything like yeah um, that like I the think the most everyone... recent Star Wars movie like the Star Wars yeah. movies have people who have died in them yeah. yeah yeah which is like really surprising to a lot of people and I think yeah. um, like the technology is actually somewhat different I would say but Hollywood is definitely getting on board so like yeah right uh modern deepfake technology is like available to anyone basically not just the hollywood cgi massive teams that can um (laughs) fake luke luke skywalker as a young man or whatever like yeah yeah. um those those things are like i would say the previous generation this generation basically puts it into the hands of the masses so anyone could create luke skywalker as a young man yes (laughs) Yeah. yeah 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 um so that that's an important distinction, I think, because uh, because it like generally when we're talking about this, we're talking about fraud and like mm-hmm. misleading people in the media or wherever. Yes. Yeah. Um, and I think, yeah, it's important to know like how easy it is to do today. Yeah. Um, and so- it's just going to get easier. Like. Right now, pictures are pr- pictures are pretty much indistinguishable. Yeah. Videos are still harder to do. Audio, like there, there have been like example podcast. Like I think there was a podcast released between Steve Jobs and Joe Rogan or something like that. Right. Yeah. Where and those things are still somewhat harder to do. 
yeah. but pictures are very easy to do. Yeah. Um, and the one, the, the recent one that came out was the, the Pope in the fluffy white jacket. I don't know if you no. saw that one. <laughs> um, so th this is like halfway down in our links, the mid journey, uh, generated a picture of the Pope wearing this like puffy white jacket and this blingy cross. And oh, it, yeah. it got picked up by the media and people thought it was a real photo because it okay. like, it looks super legit, right? Yeah. Oh, for sure. Um, but yeah, I think yeah, it, but just... it, it went on Twitter and a few other places. And this, this article has another, a number of other examples of, of that that are like people, you know, just posting these pictures on Twitter like they're actual photos. Yeah. Um, or there's like... Trump getting arrested. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And so, I mean, that's like, it, it's actually coming back to social media. I think it's why like broadcast social media is like much harder these days in, in the sense of like, like 10 years ago, mm -hmm. you could follow a handful of media organizations and get news that way. Like it was a viable way to get news, right? Yeah. But now if you're following like popular posts, uh, algorithmically recommended posts, yeah, you'll like, see these ones that'll yeah. just like slip in there and yeah. you it's may, without almost looking, indistinguishable. Yeah, without looking further, you won't like see yeah. where it came from. Um, and so I think the trust is getting lower. Um, like it's getting harder to trust a social media platform for that kind of content yeah. right but i i sort of have this like and, and i think that this is not exactly like breaking news either because I, I think that there's sort of like maybe a sentiment that people don't know about this yet but i think there's a very small pocket of people who are well, not aware that like a lot of information is highly questionable um on social media right um i think that's at this point like is pretty pretty clear and well understood, I think. Yeah. Um, so looking through our links, uh, I think the first link I had was like from MIT, and uh, it's just explaining what they are. And I think I think we understand what they are. Uh, yeah. For the most part. I uh, uh, I wanted to add in the second point after because my when I thought about this topic, I was like deep fakes and like oh this risk this this risk this risk. That, yeah. It's hard to say quickly. <laughs> um, but then I thought about like other technologies that we're describing that have kind of clear, um, innovative reasons for being invented, right. like in the sense of like overall social good and things that benefit humanity. And I was right. like, who is inventing deep fake stuff? Can they just stop? Can we tell them to stop? <laughs> yeah. Uh, because it's like, what are the, what are the upsides of any of this? Like I can see like some things like having really clear, it's like, oh, if you make something and it has like a negative externality, then right. okay, fine, I can sort of accept that. But if you make something that's like only negative or is like on the whole negative, I'm like, again, like why? <laughs> yeah. Why are we inventing these things? So anyways, I was like, what are the actual like legitimate, like you said, the legitimate uses for deep technology? What are the positives? I, I wanted to bring up some of the positives. Now, I do not necessarily think these things are driving the bus. I think people okay. are just making this stuff because they can. Right. That is what I think. Yeah. Um, so uh, I don't know what to say about that. Yeah. 
never mind. Um, <laughs> but here's the positives um, or some things that you can do that may be a good thing with deepfake technology is yeah. accessibility. Um, and so like that's speech sort of audio, video uh, augmentation, all kinds of, you know, very interesting positive applications there when it comes to accessibility. Um, you can, you know, in education, bringing history to life, that could be really interesting. But I, I know actually, did you watch the, um, on Apple TV, they have like a dinosaur documentary that like uh, the guy, the classic, uh, his name is uh, Attenborough. Oh, yeah, he, yeah. he narrates David it. Yeah. He, he's still alive though. Never, it's yeah. not, yeah, okay. Right. But he's um, uh, narrating a documentary about dinosaurs and it looks super like hyper-realistic, I think. So it's like, it is right. like a nature documentary about dinosaurs. Um, so that's like, I mean, my kids love it. Um, yeah. and it's, it's really well done. Um, and it's just a really interesting way to, but I mean, it's all fiction cause it's like showing what the dinosaur is eating and like what yeah, it's doing yeah. and these rituals. I'm like, okay, we don't know any of that, but okay, yeah. sure. Um, in terms of art and like say maybe creating video games. And I would also say just like, don't just think of video games in the sense of just like things that people like waste time doing because i think yeah. there's lots of good positive social applications of video games cooperative video games like things where people solve problems collectively like gamifying sort of like everyday things like governance right is actually really interesting and maybe sort of the allowing more people to have access to this will be able to create really good experiences for people to do video game like things for maybe to like participate in municipal politics cool right. that's kind of exciting um in terms of expression and independence, it could be things like journalists creating a deep fake identity, sort of like a to protect themselves if they're in like a dangerous area. That could be kind of interesting. Right. Um, and then there's sort of this business. This was like positive application. I was like, is that positive? Talked about, <laughs> you know, in advertising, the customized experiences on the large scale. So like the sense yeah. that everything is like fully customizable to like you. I was like, I don't because we just talked about like the algorithms kind of like knowing you know, yeah. to being, you know, creepily knowing too much and giving us too much customization, just like it was off, it felt wrong. Yeah. Um, and then in the sense of maybe like a crime scene, you could like digitally reconstruct the scene, but there's a lot of gaps maybe that right. you need to fill. And then it could lead to sort of like a false narrative that then people would like stick to because you were like guessing. Right. Anyway, that's my list of the positives. What do you think about that? I feel, yeah. Honestly, like, I, to me, all of those are very shaky. <laughs> shaky I know that's positives. what I'm saying. Well, people, I like it, it is like, yay, we're, it does something good, and I'm like, uh, yeah, that, I think we could really live without this. Well, so the interesting part is that, like, it really is adjacent to generative AI, like art, art and stuff like that, and yeah. so I kind of see how, like, you can't really get like. Uh, generative ai let's take like visual effects for a game or something like that mm. you can't the only way you can build a character and have that character have a stable identity through the whole thing if you're using gener generative ai techniques is to use deep fake adjacent te techniques right like yeah. they, they they actually go hand in hand like to yes. have a stable identity you have to fix it and then continue like basically deep fake that same character through the whole all the art assets or whatever right so i i do i kind of get that part where like you can't really have one without without the other um but i think like the um the the use of 
whoever's identity, whether it's a real person or an ex- or a fictional character or like a made up character, I think, um, like that's just like intellect. That's straight up theft, right? Of intellectual property of of a likeness, right? Mm. And I think, like I think, so a little later on, I, I posted a, a link to like. Um, legislation to ban non-consensual AI deepfakes. And I think yeah. like, I think this is actually super reasonable. Like for the most part, I, I find like um, <laughs> legislation doesn't make a lot of sense, but I think this one makes a ton of sense. Like yeah, if I'm creating my own at home, like, you know, documentary and just getting David Attenborough to voice it, like that's just not right. Like that's not, that's, that's, straight up yeah. theft of, of yeah. like whatever technology it's using you know yeah. the yeah. fact that it, it's so easy to do makes it compelling for independent creators but it also makes it um y- yeah it just adds well, a bunch of gray areas i mean right? you can just make a porno about anyone yeah like is that exactly. okay <laughs> yeah yeah none of, none of that is okay and i think like there's like there's problems and like I, I definitely think we do need legislation for that because yeah um like right now hollywood is pretty careful about that like i think like using mark hamill's likeness was like even contentious like in the fact that like he was brought in and oversaw the whole thing and to like there the was a lot him. of yeah. yeah to make the younger him um and then using the voice like using the voice of a dead actor you know that generally hollywood is very careful about like bringing the estate in the family you know all of those things uh but like for independent creators like they're you know it's kind of the wild west like i I haven't seen anybody actually try it because i think they like even without the legislation in place they would get (laughs) uh some serious blowback Mm -hmm. um from and and there there probably is like existing um laws that that would that they could apply to that right yeah well it's Um, about how much you have to lose i guess that's why like if you're like a a small independent and you don't have a ton to lose you could create it uh whereas i think the big hollywood's not going to take a chance on that because they have more to lose yeah exactly um but but it's still like uh it's kind of an open question because you could like you could get AI to like iterate on David Attenborough's voice to get it far enough away that it's not quite him. Like it's some voice that's like him that you're using for your own documentary. Yeah. 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 And so there is a lot of, yeah, questionable ethics there that I I, I don't know in, especially in the point about art that I don't know if I have a good answer for how, how that would be beneficial. Right. (laughs) Um, and then going back to the point of accessibility, I don't entirely understand that one either. Um, like, yeah, I don't know, like how a deep fake specifically makes th- would make things more accessible, right? Yeah, other than like maybe it creates like if you're doing a course or something and you're just not the kind of person who like reading or something like that makes like automatically makes videos that narrate it to you or something right. like that. Like maybe in terms of learning that's beneficial. I- I'm not sure. 
Yeah, and and that's where I think like generative AI and deep fakes really kind of go hand in hand. Like, could, yeah. you could develop a voice model that's like uh, not based on any any specific person, and like most computers have these built in, or, or like yeah, or, or Siri or whatever. I mean, although Siri is very specifically based on someone, <laughs> like yes, uh, and, and most of them are like they they're using a particular person's cadence and tone and all that stuff yeah um, but yeah it's i don't know all of this is yeah it, it's questionable <laughs> i would yeah, say i have a very hard time seeing the upside honestly yeah, yeah. um okay well mm. yeah <laughs> I, <laughs> I i mean i i I kind of share your, like, I kind of wanted to come away with this with some upsides, but yeah, yeah. It, it really is hard to, to find them, I think, like, because yeah. there are so many downsides, but it's also, like I said, it's very um, closely related to, to generative AI, like yeah. creating art, like, from nothing, yeah. um, that uh like i i definitely see use cases for that and not just art but like design and 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 then all the stuff we've been talking about with chat gpt any ai system is like using some data as its input deep fakes are using a very specific aspect and trying to train very uh like highly on that so like facial characteristics will be stable across all things where most um generative ai are not tuned that way but it really is just a matter of tuning right yeah um so it's interesting um yeah and then so one the flip side of it that i found interesting is like how uh like, I, I think the general public reaction is to swing the other way completely, where where they they try to argue that anything could be a deep fake, right? <laughs> There's kind of like the the fake news yeah, yeah. Uh, trend, <laughs> where it's like, oh, that's fake news, that's fake news. Like, okay, everything can't be fake news. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so the article was from NP NPR, and they're talking about how courts are battling this like courts mm. have to like people say it's fake yeah people say it's fake like they mm. they just whatever evidence comes up they're like well that's fake you know that's oh, okay. that's a deep fake or whatever right. um and i think that's like i think it's like fair um <clears throat> to consider like what what the social reaction to deep fakes are as well like um because like the the cat the cat is out of the bag there's no um there's no undoing yeah. <laughs> the current state of things like we could try to pump the brakes or whatever or, yeah. or but like yeah yeah like i think it comes down to the fact that like uh if people think that everything they're seeing is fake then where are we like i think that's also sort of a dystopia of like um, yeah. yeah well like i was saying earlier about the um sort of social media and the prevalence of uh information that might not be accurate and then it's kind of like 
baby out with the bathwater maybe in the sense that everybody just thinks that everything is rough pretty much inaccurate like right just sort of like there's it's pointless yeah um which i don't know like i i kind of i'm not sure i'm reading a book about um data and statistics and like how to think about data and statistics yeah and um early on in the book it talks about how like there can be so many errors when it comes to like where was the data collected or where were the data collected or right. what like you know where where did it come from how what were the methods like what's missing what did you do with the missing values like stuff like that so there's a lot right. of things around that that you have to question but then it, once you start to question 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 then people might just be like statistics are pointless right <laughs> right yeah. which again i'm like is it like i i don't know i i was like you're not really convincing me to read the rest of your book here <laughs> um you know their argument was that it's not pointless um but uh anyway it's just interesting to think about something like that where you're kind of like you start to see the holes in something yeah and then you start to think the whole thing is holes right. all holes um which is probably like not totally fair but um and I think it can be this sort of like probably as a response to this like we're all being duped all the time, right? Um, because it can be a, a way of thinking like that. Yeah, nothing is trust trustworthy, right? I don't know what's the better orientation towards life, honestly. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think I think that you always have to have, uh, and I'm going to use quote unquote healthy because I don't know what that means, but a healthy mix of skepticism and trust in. Mm in what you think is reliable. Um, but yeah, I think, I think this is just giving in, in a lot of ways, it, it's just giving people that are already skeptical more reasons to be skeptical of more things maybe. Yeah. Um, and then not trust the other people in their lives that, um, that trust th these, uh, things. Uh, so it like, it increases this divide among us socially. In yeah. Like you have the people that are skeptical that are, are on this like train to being skeptical of everything. Yeah. Uh, and then, yeah, other people trying, trying to hold on to the scientific method and, and data provenance and like understanding where things come from. Yeah. Uh, like, I, I feel like I'm in that camp, but I'm uh, like, it's getting harder to, especially with like, um, things like the, the last link I had, like the top Google result for Edward Hopper, the, the first image was a AI generated fake. And that's like, <laughs> like Google is one of those p key pieces of things where you like find out the, yeah, and it, things. you know, if they're not being rigorous about data provenance like i i don't entirely expect them to but like um but that's one of the tools i think in the modern world to like find out where things come from and i yeah. think the danger is always like that you that you get this feedback loop of like things just like the the fake data overwhelming the the good qual high quality where you know like, like in, in media generally, like they have a fairly good track of like who took the picture, who like yeah. a, a chain of command sort of thing of reporting. Yeah. Right. 
And I think we depend on that. Um, and as it gets more, it, as it gets easier to like automatically generate that. And yeah. if we're, if we're not confident in the whole chain, then things start to unravel. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it bring back to our conversation about blockchain and uh, NFTs and that kind of thing. Yeah. I think that that's sort of maybe a hope is that by um, encoding things in the blockchain or whatever the word is for that, yeah. uh, that you'll be able to uh, authenticate yeah. and things like that. So this would be like sort of like, oh, okay, that's that's a fake no, like it was generated using this this time, like sort of on this computer, like it would have right. a, a provenance. Um, yeah. But I'm not sure. There's like all these technologies kind of have to track together um, yeah. to be functional, I guess. But um, I I didn't like research that specifically. I just thought that's probably okay to mention. Yeah, it, it is an interesting to, thing to bring up because I think that is the the sales pitch for for blockchain is yeah like i think having, it's like the whole better, pitch yeah, yeah. <laughs> having a yes. chain of provenance for for a specific thing well um, and verification because like yeah. if you can like in terms of fraud like if you can fake someone's like whole person yeah <laughs> then you need another way to like we need a more advanced way to like authenticate people and right. their actions like online right the thing, and I don't want to, like, we, we've talked quite a bit about blockchain, so I don't want to, like, re-bring up that whole thing. But just, like, my general take is, like, uh, like the problem with, the, the limitation with blockchain, I should say, not the problem. The limitation is that, like, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't really handle off-the-chain fraud <laughs> at all. So like things can look just as legitimate when things are, you know, when um, like a blockchain can never uh, encapsulate the real world. And the real world is where the dubious things happen, right? Yeah, right. Um, or like where you like where you take something from an AI into like strip all the me metadata and then put it on the blockchain. Like there's no difference between that and taking it from your camera and putting it on the blockchain, right? Right, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I don't think it might it might convince the more trustworthy, like the trusters, but it probably yeah. will not convince the skeptics, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, okay, yeah. Okay, well, I think uh, I think that's probably where we should leave it for today. Yeah. Um, deep fakes. Yeah, We're not all sure. bad. <laughs> summary i think yeah the tldr <laughs> i mean part of part of that is just a framing issue in that like the deep fake aspect of ai generated things is, like that's the specific piece of it that people think is bad and yeah. i don't think you can really extract it from the bigger question of like how useful and important is generative art because yeah. i think as a broader category, there probably is good uses for it. For it, whereas like specifically impersonating In a person, fake, and, I mean, yeah. it having <laughs> yes, <laughs> yeah, I, I can't see any good coming of that. Yeah, um, honestly, yeah. yeah. All right, cool. Okay, alrighty. Well, thanks for chatting, Heather. Okay, we'll talk next time. Bye. Yeah, bye. Thank you for listening. To hear all our episodes, search for Human V Robot wherever you find your podcasts. 